Welcome to Brood in America, your podcast to offer you some perspective on America, her culture, her people, and her history. I'm your host, Gordon Michael Porter. We have got an extraordinarily exciting show for you today that you will not want to miss. We go over the Constitution and the biblical things that are in the Constitution that are almost verbatim. The principles are definitely verbatim. The wording uh, is very close. So we have a lot to cover today, and I'm very excited about it. One more week till 4th of July. I cannot wait. Drip of the day today is brought to us from the city of New York, New York. The city so nice they named it twice. Um, today's blend comes from Gotham Coffee Roasters. You heard that right. Like, you know, Batman. Gotham Coffee Roasters. Today's is the Brooklyn blend. Uh, the origins of the coffee come from Mexico and Colombia. Um, so the coffee it actually has a little bit of a, a little bit of a raspberry note to it, which is good. It also is a naturally sweet coffee. Uh, probably, you know, Mexican and Colombian coffees tend to be a little bit um, less acidic and a little bit more alkaline, which brings a little bit of a sweeter flavor out. Oh man. And it is a very good cup of coffee. I really like it. Um, interestingly, so I was actually doing some research. Somebody had mentioned the word Java. The other, oh, I know what it was. I was listening to, there's a song called Java Jive. Um, and it was done by the the Ink Spots was the name of the group. And it's called Java Jive. And so I started thinking about where did the name Java come from? And believe it or not, so the Dutch had actually introduced coffee to the Southeast Asia region and started growing coffee on the some of the islands in the Southeast Asia region. And one of those islands happened to be called Java. And so naturally, after shipping coffee off that island, the coffee kind of earned the nickname Java, which is, you know, of course, the name that so many people now call it uh, is Java. This Java is really, really good. Mm. And New York is one of the town homes of America. One of the, it, I think, I think New York City could be one of the biggest, um, or rather, not biggest, but the best cross section of American culture, where it is the city itself is a melting pot, and. It is, you can, you can, anything you want to see in the world, you can see in New York City. And that really is just an amazing, amazing archetype of the United States. I mean, anything that you want here, even different terrains and climates, you know, almost every terrain and climate in the world you can find in, in uh, the United States, which is amazing. All right, so let's talk a little bit about the Constitution today. Uh, this will be the last episode before our big 4th of July extravaganza jamboree shootout um, circus, uh, whatever you want to call it. Hopefully it's more of a jamboree and extravaganza than a circus, but, you know, 
the jury remains out on that. I'll let you be the judge of that. So please tune in on 4th of July, or actually July 3rd. It'll be coming out the Monday before July 4th, of course, as always. So listen to that episode. Let us know your thoughts. I am very excited about it. It's going to be a lot of fun um, and uh, something that you're really going to want to share with your family, share with your friends, and please do that. Please share this episode, all of our episodes. Share the podcast with your friends. Share it with your family. Um, America is really hungry for patriotism and a love of country, and this podcast seeks to do that very thing, is to fawn over and love America and you know, flaws and all. America is not a perfect country, and I make no bones about that. We have had issues. We have made some very, very grave mistakes in the past. But we move past those mistakes, and we learn from those mistakes, and we get better as we go on. Nobody would want to, you know, nobody, no individual person would want to be treated that way, where, you know, if you do something wrong, that's what you're labeled as for the rest of the rest of your life. And nor should we hold America in that same light. We don't hold any other country in that light, you know. Um, so America is a an amazing place, and this podcast, the whole intent and purpose of this podcast is to is to help you understand her, so that you can remember who she is, recognize her, and love her. Uh, America is an incredible place. Um, all right, so. We are going to talk, I mentioned we're going to talk a little bit about the Constitution today. More specifically, I want to show you a few things uh, in the Constitution that come directly from the Bible. Uh, and there are many, many things that come directly from the Bible in the Constitution, but we're, we, you know, just for the sake of time, we've only got a few. Um, <clears throat> if you'll go back to, um, I can't remember the episode number, but we do have a part one uh, of the Constitution. Um that was done in November of last year, maybe, I think. Um, so we touched on a few things there, kind of a 30,000-foot view. We never did do a part two. Um, so, you know, this will kind of be part two, but eventually we'll do a, a maybe an hour and a half or so and just do a really, really thorough deep dive into the Constitution uh, because there is really a lot there. Um, you know, the Constitution... <coughs> The Constitution is an amazing document because if you, I mean, if you think about it, so the IRS tax code is some, you know, 60,000 pages, you know, 80,000 pages of documents, and it's just volumes and volumes and volumes of tax code and all these, you know, ins and outs of legal proceedings and everything else. The Constitution that runs our entire country is about two and a half pages on eight and a half by 11 parchment paper. It's not a big document, not a long document, but it's incredibly well written. Uh, it's in, it's very concise. It's very clear in what it's in you know what it's trying to do. Um, <clears throat> the Constitution has often been called incorrectly a living and breathing document, meaning that it means different things to different people in different times. That is not true. Uh, the Constitution is is a set in stone document, and the interpretation should not change just because of who is sitting on the Supreme Court. Uh, the Constitution says what it means, and it means what it says. Um, it is a charter of negative liberties, meaning it tells the, the government what it cannot do. And only in rare circumstances does the, does the Constitution tell government what it can do. 
um, you know, so that's a critical part, and that's something that we learned about earlier in this series, the uh, Origins of Liberty series. We learned about, you know, the people have the right to set bounds in which the government operates. The Constitution is exactly that. It is the third doctrine of the Mayflower Compact is the Constitution. It is an embodiment of that doctrine. And so, we're going to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, what the government cannot do or qualifications for what government must attain uh, to be considered um, uh, worthy of America's people. Uh, and so we're going to start off looking in Deuteronomy, which is a very difficult book of the Bible to say, Deuteronomy. Uh, but it's it's in chapter one. Um, and so I want to, first of all, kind of dispel a little bit of uh, misconception here. Um, in Deuteronomy chapter one, the first thing it says, first verse says, these be the words which Moses spake unto all Israel. Now, most people stop there, especially whenever you're talking about how the Old Testament relates to the Constitution and how it relates to uh, the Declaration of Independence. And a lot of Christians say, well, you know, that's honestly, that was Moses's way. Uh, and yes, it worked good for Israel, but they had problems. Uh, and that was not God's way of doing things that a Republican form of government, as we'll see in a few minutes. Oh, that was Moses's way of doing it. That wasn't God's way. Well, skip down to verse 3, and we can answer that question, if, it's the, if it is a question. It says, And it came to pass in the 40th year, in the 11th month, on the first day of the month, that Moses spake unto the children of Israel according uh, unto all that the Lord had given him in commandment unto them. So this, yes, Moses handed this off to Israel, but God gave it to Moses. So, go ahead and make that clear here. Everything that we're talking about today is directly from the mouth of God, and this is how he envisions secular government operating and how he has has intended that to operate and how, you know, government should operate, the correct way uh, the government should operate. The United States for a long time operated correctly, and only whenever we did not adhere to the principles in the Constitution and adhere to the principles in the Bibles, and excuse me, in the Bible, did bad things happen. You know, whether that's the Trail of Tears, uh, Wounded Knee. Um, you know, whether that's slavery, whether that is um, the evils of the progressive movement in the early uh, 20s and 30s when we put Japanese uh, people in concentration camps simply because they're Japanese. You know, some people say, well, you know, we were going to war with Japan, so we had to put them in concentration camps. Okay, they're American citizens. They have American, they are Americans. They enjoy the rights of America. You don't put people in concentration in, in concentration camps because you're going to war with people that look like them. That's not a good thing. That's not a good precedent. Um, and you know, honestly, a lot of those people that were put in concentration camps were born here um, and did not know anything about Japan. And you know, and and the other thing is with that, this is kind of a side note and just kind of an example, I guess, but. Um, we started putting people in concentration camps. The Jap started putting Japanese in uh, internment camps uh, was the American version. Um, we started doing that before Pearl Harbor. So explain that one to me. Uh, it sounds like FDR, the the darling of the progressive left, had a little bit of an issue with uh, people that didn't quite look like him. Anyway, all that said. Uh, in Deuteronomy, still in chapter 1, it says in verse 13, Take you wise men and understanding and known among your tribes, and I will make them rulers over you. 
Uh, verse 15 says, So I took the chief of your tribes, wise men and known, and made them heads over you, captains over thousands, captains over hundreds, captains over fifties, and captains over tens, and officers among your tribes. So, right off the rip here, we are given what we would call a republican form of government. So, not a not a theocracy in the sense of, uh, or a, you know, a monarchy, a theocratic monarch where you have one man that rules the entire country at the behest of what he believes to be um, God's will for the country. God knew men were fallible. God knew that men's hearts will fail them. And as a result, he made sure that the system of government that he wanted in place for secular means had multiple checks and balances. All men have issues with uh, your heart. Your, you know, All men have a tendency to make mistakes and, and falter. We're human beings. We are prone to error. And so, God knows that. God knows us better than we know ourselves. And so, God set up a system of government that protects other people from out-of-control individuals. Um, And so, here uh, in Israel, in the book of Deuteronomy, we have several, several people set up in place and over different size groups of people. Similar to what we have here in the United States, we have, you know, cities, we have municipal government where you have, you know, a mayor, you have, uh, you know, city council members or boards of director, however your city operates. Um, You have, you know, city managers and things like that. Then just take a step above that, you have counties, uh, or if you're in in Louisiana, you got parishes. And, uh, you know, from there, you've got, you know, county commissioners, you got county managers. Uh, Then to go another rung above that, you have state government, state legislatures, even state supreme courts. Then to go up above that, you have the federal government and you have, you know, federal courts, obviously. You have the federal Congress. You have the executive branch, the president. Um, And let me just tell you right here uh, as American neighbor to American neighbor, that's where it ends. The UN is not above the federal government. The UN parks its sorry tail in New York and does nothing for America while America pays 20% of the bill. Okay? The UN is not a government that it's not a government. And that's just it. It's an agreement between governments. It is not a government. And if the UN thinks that it plays any part in the decision-making in the United States government, while it might because of some crooked, backwards, spineless politicians, it is not part of our government. And so, just so you know, it is not in the Constitution to have a global government. That was never the intention of the founders, and it is hopefully not the intention of a vast majority of the citizens of the United States now. Um, But moving on here, so we have established a Republican form of government here. That's what God wants for us. Um, Verse 16 goes on to say, I charged your judges at that time, saying, Hear the causes between your brethren and judge righteously between every man and his brother and the stranger that is with him. Now, this is the establishment of a judicial system, a hierarchical or a, uh, I guess that's the best word for it, a hierarchical judicial system in Israel. If you go over, though, and look in Exodus um, if you can hear the pages turning, that's not the phone book, uh, if you even know what that is. In Exodus chapter uh, 18, you have Moses is kind of taking his first stab at uh, judging the nation of Israel, and he's having to do it on his own. God gave Moses the authority to do that. 
And so, uh, in chapter 18 and verse 14, it says, when Moses' father-in-law, uh, Jethro, who also coincidentally was uh, one of the stars of the Beverly Hillbillies, he said, what is this thing that thou doest to the people? Why sittest thou thyself alone, and all the people stand by thee from morning unto even? And Moses said unto his father-in-law, Because the people come unto me to inquire of God. When they have a matter, they come unto me, and I judge between one and another, and I do uh, make them know the statutes of God and his laws. Well, Jethro says, of course, here, hey, Moses, maybe you should kind of delegate some of that power out because uh, you're you're having trouble here. He goes on to verse, uh, in verse 17 to say, Moses' father-in-law, again, the star of the Beverly Hillbillies, uh, said unto him, the thing that thou doest is not good. Thou wilt surely wear away both thou uh, and this people that is with thee. Here's a biblical example of somebody warning against burnout in the job situation, which I think is interesting. For this thing is too heavy for thee, thou art not able to perform it thyself alone. Hearken now unto my voice, I will give thee counsel, and God will be with thee, uh, shall be with thee. Be thou for the people to Godward, that thou mayest bring the causes unto God. So what Jethro here is saying is, hey Moses, maybe delegate some of this power out and get you some help, because you're going to get burned out, you're going to get burned out, and this is not going to work out well for you, and you're going to hate, basically hate everybody in Israel. Uh, and he goes on to say, and thou shalt teach them ordinances and laws, and shalt show them the way wherein they must walk and the work they must do. Here we have uh, the first institution of a hierarchical judicial system, where you have a supreme court, in this case it was Moses, and then you have lower courts or appellate courts below that. Um, and interestingly, in verse 20, where it says, And thou shalt teach them ordinances and laws, we have law school now too. We have lawyers right here. Uh, where Moses is teaching men of good reputation the law and ordinances to speak on behalf of the people and to judge between the people. Those are lawyers. They are required in, in modern day, in order to be a lawyer, you have to go to law school and have to learn the laws and ordinances, and then you have to take a bar exam in each state um, to you know pass, pass muster as a lawyer and prove that you know your stuff. Uh, and also prove some ethical, you know, it's in, a lot of it's ethics and ethics, you know, ethic questions. Um, going back to Deuteronomy, though, in chapter 1, uh, verse 17, it says, Ye shall not respect persons in judgment, but ye shall hear the small as well as the great. Now, and what this is saying is, is justice is blind. True justice does not care about skin color. It does not care about religion. It doesn't care about nationality. Um, if you've ever seen uh, the seal of the Supreme Court, you have uh, Lady Liberty or Lady Justice. She is uh, enrobed and she has a blindfold on. And in one hand, she is holding a scale. And the other hand, she is holding a sword, which is the... the uh, the symbol of blind justice, meaning that, you know, as as the Bible says in multiple places, God is no respecter of persons. Um, so, you know, justice is to be blind and not to, there's not to be a two-tiered system of laws that is established right here in Deuteronomy. Now, interestingly, what we are seeing in real time at the time of this podcast recording is the United States is having issues with a two-tiered justice system. And what I mean by that is you have some politicians who maybe take papers and stuff them inside of a garage by their Corvette, and that's not a problem. 
But if another president does it, you know, or let's say a, a secretary of state um, wipes her hard drive clean after having classified information on that hard drive, and then another president does it and he has a few uh, top secret papers that he honestly should not have, and we can all agree with that, if the evidence is true and if the charges are legitimate, he did break the law. However, Justice must be applied equally. Either you enforce the law on all parties or you don't enforce the law on all parties. It does not matter what side of the political aisle you rest on. There should be one law that is applied equally to all all citizens. Coincidentally, the current president, his son, has been charged with a ton of crimes. By the way, is... A basically a drop in the bucket to what this guy's actually committed, but so far what they, what he has pled guilty to is tax evasion, willful and knowing tax evasion, as well as brandishing a firearm, as well as falsifying information on a federal application to own a firearm or to purchase a firearm at a federal firearms dealer. Okay, that is a felony, felony offense. And what he lied about on that application was that he was not addicted to cocaine or any sort of, you know, illegal substance that's on a federal, you know, if you're filling out an application uh, basically for a background check to buy a firearm at a federal firearms licensed dealer, an FFL, you have to fill out a, a document for a background check, check, and he lied on it, which is a federal offense. Uh, never mind the you know, $2 million in back taxes he owes. If you or I had done that, our butt would be sitting in prison for 40 years. And may I say, justifiably so. But it seems like right now he's probably going to get a fine at best, uh, slap on the wrist basically, but he's definitely not going to see any jail time. If that's not a two-tier justice system, I don't know what is. And we as American citizens have to really recognize that that's a problem and you and I have a responsibility to make sure that 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 changes uh, and make sure that we get people in place that are going to make sure that the the law is um, upheld equally on both sides now moving forward Deuteronomy chapter 17 uh, we have uh, in verse 6 it says at the mouth of two witnesses or three witnesses shall he that is worthy of death be put to death but at the mouth of one witness, he shall not be put to death, which to me kind of rings a little bit Monty Python-ish where it's, you know, three is the number of the count, four shall not, five is right out. It kind of sounds like that to me, but that's just a side note. But here in verse six, it says, um, basically, you have to have at least two witnesses or three witnesses uh, to to try somebody uh, with the possibility of death as a punishment. Now, in, Const- in the Constitution, in Article 3, Section 3, and in Clause 1, that deals with treason. Now, treason is the only crime that is, that is listed in the Constitution. It's the only crime that the Constitution deals with, is treason. While you know, the Constitution does not give a, um, a punishment for that crime, common law at the time, and common law still remains today, and in most countries around the world... Treason, treason, excuse me, is punishable by death, and the founders knew that. And again, that was common law in the time in the colonies was that treason was punishable by death. It was it was common law in Great Britain as well, um, and you can read about that in the Federalist Papers. And I can't remember which one off the top of my head, but one of those deals, um, at least in small part, uh, with with common law and 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 how 
Great Britain handled treason and things like that. Um, but um, treason, of course, being uh, punishable by death, the Constitution says that you must have at least two witnesses uh, to, to convict somebody of treason. Okay, so that standard uh, for trying somebody for uh, something resulting in a death sentence, you must have, per the Constitution, you must have two, at least two witnesses. And in fact, I'm, I might even say three. Uh, I, at least two, I know for sure. Skipping forward to verse 15. Now, this one's interesting. Um, Article 2 of the Constitution deals with the executive branch or the president's uh, office, you might say. Uh, section 1, um, this is what the Bible says, is verse 15, Thou shalt in any wise set him king over thee, whom the Lord thy God shall choose. One from among them, uh, one from among thy brethren shalt thou set king over thee. Thou mayest not set a stranger over thee, which is not thy brother. Our Constitution has a requirement that only a president who is a natural-born citizen can attain the office of the President of the United States. So, in other words, you have to be born on the soil. You have to be a born American brother to take the office of lowercase king or president in our case. That qualification is laid out right here in Deuteronomy chapter 17. Now, skip ahead to verse 17. It says, Neither shall he multiply, talking about a king, uh, an elected king, neither shall he multiply wives to himself, that his heart turn not away, neither shall he greatly multiply to himself silver and gold. So, in other words, he cannot increase his salary while he is king, while he is in office. Incidentally, also in Article 3, Section 3, we have uh, where the President of the United States cannot increase his salary while he holds the office of President, which is fascinating. That comes directly from the Bible. Um, in fact, I believe the last president to have done this was Bill Clinton back in the 90s. And so the first president to enjoy the benefits of that salary increase was not Bill Clinton, but George W. Bush, which is uh, an amazing thing. Now, skip down to verse 18. It says, And it shall be when he sitteth upon the throne of his kingdom that he shall write him a copy of this law and a book out of that which is before the priests, the Levites, who the Levites were the keepers of the law. And it shall be with him, and he shall read therein all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord, with, uh, Lord his God, uh, to keep all the words of this law and these statutes to do them. Uh, so, what this is saying here is the king must know the law in and out, he must keep the law on him, and he must defend that law and make sure that the way he is governing is in defense of that law. You might say that sounds a lot like the oath of office for you know a congressman or a president or a Supreme Court justice, where the oath they take is to protect and defend the Constitution or, you know, the law. That's that's amazing. That's amazing that that's in the Bible, um, and that all these qualifications that we have for office in the Constitution are right here in the Book of Deuteronomy. That's incredible, uh, and that's a that's a it's really something that I I hope that you 
think is just as amazing as I do because honestly, for a long time and learning, you know, about the United States and about the Constitution um, in public school, what you're taught is basically that in 1776, the Declaration of Independence was signed by 50 pigs and they all owned slaves. So they were basically uh, the devil. And also that they were all deists and atheists, um, you know, that had no sense of morality. Which kind of makes you wonder about the whole atheist charge, or I'm sorry, the whole slaveholder charge. Why is slavery wrong if there's no morals? Anyway, all that to say, what you learn in public school is that basically that the Bible and Christianity had nothing to do with the founding at all, much less the Constitution. In fact, there is a book written called The Godless Constitution, and just the title alone should tell you that the author of that book is completely and totally biblically illiterate. And that is really kind of the long and short of it. I encourage you to read that book. He makes some pretty terrible cases. Um, So, you know, and I also encourage you to uh, weigh that on the other side, or at least to uh, balance the reading that book. Also read Proclaiming Liberty Throughout All the Land by Mark David Hall, who gives you the opposite, and I believe a much better argument. And what I mean by better argument is that book, which is some 200 pages, has roughly 600 footnotes and references in it. Uh, and it shows you very clearly that Christianity not only played a part in building the United States, but did build the United States and is still building it. And is still Christians in this country are still fighting to protect the liberties of all people, not just Christians, all people uh, in accordance with the Declaration of Independence, the principles in the Declaration of Independence, as well as the principles in the Constitution. Um, and I encourage you, please go back and listen to the episode from back in, I think it was in November, um, where we talked about the Constitution a little bit, uh, uh, part one. And then, uh, you know, we'll also get into uh, the First Amendment and a couple of the amendments, you know, later this year. Um, but, you know, hopefully this was a help to you. I think that the, the Constitution, the founding, and the biblical uh, derivations are amazing. They're, they're nothing short of amazing. Um, and I encourage you to keep a, if you read your Bible daily, uh, you should, um, and I encourage you to do that. Uh, it's important to do that, not only for, you know, your Christianity's sake, but also for your intelligence and for your well-being. It, you know, it helps you to be a better person it, just, to, just to read it and to understand what it's saying and applying that. You know, if you read one chapter a day, it will change your life. Um, and so I encourage you to do that. But when you do that, also read a article. The Constitution is not long, not long at all. And I encourage you to at least read, you know, an article of the Constitution every day. Help you be familiar with it. You cannot defend your rights if you don't know what they are. And so in doing that, what you'll inevitably see is you're going to see parallels and similarities throughout both, um, where the Constitution very, very closely mirrors the laws and civil ordinances laid out in the Bible for the for the uh, Israelite nation. And so, I encourage you to do that. Um, and of course, this podcast is going to help you do that and kind of help walk you through that. Um, and so, with all that said, I'm really excited for next week. Next week, it's 4th of July, my favorite holiday, bar none. To me, it even beats out Christmas. I love 4th of July. I love celebrating our country. 
Uh, it is just a, a wonderful time to spend time with your family and not only to to do that, but also to reflect on just how different your life would be had America never declared independence. Just how different America would be. We would still be 13 individual little sovereign uh, entities kind of floating around with no uh, mutual interest on one piece of land, kind of like kind of like Europe is right now. Um, you know, it could have been, it could have even been possible in the past two hundred years that you know a colony could have adopted a different language. You just never know. And so, you know, be thankful uh, on Fourth of July. Again, we're going to have a special episode for it, but um, this is the last episode before Fourth of July, uh, and I am just. I'm stoked. I'm stoked. I thank you so much for listening today. I please share this episode uh, with your friends, with your neighbors, with your family, um, and help us to promote true American civilization, culture, whatever you want to call it, love of country. Um, this this podcast, I I am attempting to to basically be an audio version of Norman Rockwell. I want to be able to put. Uh, America through your speakers, similar to how Norman Rockwell was able to capture America on canvas. And so I ask for your help in doing that by getting this to your friends and neighbors. If you have suggestions uh, for the podcast and how to do things differently, please let me know. I'd be uh, more than happy to consider those. So let me know if you have any coffee suggestions, if you have a coffee that you want me to try. Um, Well, let me just kind of Kind of caveat this one. So I did have a coffee suggestion come in from my father uh, yesterday, uh, and it was let me see, let me just pull this up here, just kind of help you. So this is the headline reads: This bird poop, uh, I'm sorry, this bird poops one of the most expensive coffee varieties in the world. And he asked me if this would be on the next Brood in America episode. Unfortunately, Dad, it will not. Uh, it might make it onto an episode of Brood on the Windshield. Um, and also, uh, you know, I also have some limitations on, you know, capital and finances. So, you know, for whatever reason, I just I have kind of a bad feeling about paying, you know, I don't even know how much this coffee. Let me look here. How much is this coffee? It must be pretty expensive because it doesn't say. Uh, this is from... WND is the article that he sent me. It says one of the most expensive and sought after coffee varieties is actually harvested from the droppings of the Jaku, JQ, JQ, that's my son's name, John Quincy, JQ, a large black turkey like bird whose digestive systems, uh, ge- digestive system brings out the aroma of the coffee beans. When Enrique Sloper, Enrique Slopa, the owner of the Camasim Coffee Farm in the Brazilian state of Espirito Santo. Like how I put the little trills in there. First saw his coffee plantation overrun by Jacu birds. Jacu JQ birds. He panicked, not knowing that the birds would soon become sort of of a business partner. Uh, I guess duty calls. He called environmental protection agencies, but they didn't know what to do. And suggested the farmers introduce some natural predators for large birds, but this was difficult to do, especially with a bird as large as the JQ. So, in the end, but um, Sloper decided to adopt the old "if you can't beat them, join them" mantra, and soon discovered that the bird invasion had been a blessing in disguise. Oh, total blessing in disguise! Total blessing in disguise. You can start uh, selling bird poop instead of coffee. What a great thing! 
All right, America, I love you. Stay away from coffee poop. Uh, or I'm sorry, bird poop coffee. Uh, go to GothamCoffeeRoasters.com. Get you a bag of Brooklyn Blend for this week and have it ready for Fourth of July. You will love it. You'll love the straw. I'm sorry, the raspberry kind of taste to it um, and the sweet aroma. America, I love you, uh, and I hope you uh, are really excited and are proud of yourself for Fourth of July. We've had our issues in the past, as I've already said. But let's let's use Fourth of July to look forward and to make changes and to maybe reinvent our uh, not reinvent but to reintroduce our adventurous spirit and our exploratory heart. So, America, I love you. Take care. Um, God bless. It makes no difference if it's